Thank you for joining us here at First Love Ministries with the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville, Illinois for January 16th, 2022. Reverend Jonathan Warren has titled his sermon Partners in Wine. Our special music is a piano duet done by Christine Smith and Stephanie Solterman. God bless And may you have a blessed week. The scripture reading today is from Isaiah 62, verses 1 through 5. Let us listen to the word of God. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken and your land shall no more be termed desolate, but you shall be called my delight is in her and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your builder marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. This is the word of the Lord.
Our gospel lesson today comes from the gospel of John, chapter 2, the wedding in Cana. Let us listen to the word of God today. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding, and when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sermon titles have often baffled me. I wonder sometimes, do they really matter? Are they helpful? Are they there to entice the listener? Should they summarize the message? These are some of the questions I ask myself. Does anyone even notice sermon titles? Now, sometimes I create the title before I begin writing, and it may have little to do with the end product. I might finish the sermon before uh, the printing of the bulletin happens, and the sermon has no relation to my, or the, t- the title has no relation to my sermon. Sometimes I carefully emphasize, uh, maybe I repeat the sermon or some of the words from the sermon over in my sermon. Sometimes I plot around the title. Other times I pick out a word or two from the reading, uh, and that's what I choose as the title. An infamous uh, preaching professor once said this of sermon titles to seminary students. Sermon titles must be so engaging that someone riding by the church on a bus, upon seeing the sermon title, would be so impelled to get off the bus, walk into the building in order to hear the sermon. We don't have a bus on our corner, and we don't... uh, put the sermon titles out there, but that's quite impressive, right? Now, sermon titles are three to five words. I'm pretty sure nobody's here because of the sermon title. Does anyone get off the bus today because of this sermon title? Unless it said, like, there's a bomb on the bus, right? Then people would get off the bus. But Uh, Some clever seminary student, I'm sure, uh, did that in his class, guaranteed. So I don't always work too hard on on this sermon title, but sometimes, like today, I try to be clever. So if you don't know the title of my sermon, it's Partners in Wine. Clever, right? 
few other contenders uh, uh, for this week of uh, the Scripture reading about Jesus turning water into wine. We're on cloud wine. You're the wine that I want, and it's wine o'clock. Now, I didn't make these up. I just Googled wine puns, and Partners in Wine won today's sermon title. So I hope there's a connection today, right? Uh, There is. Uh, Today, Jesus' family and disciples are invited to a wedding in Cana, and this is where it all starts. Jesus' first of seven signs in the Gospel of John, and I would imagine Jesus pondering, praying about this first sign that he's about to uh, share. Maybe for years he's been thinking about, what should I do? And, And I'm sure he'd planned to start with something that really impacted people, people who are struggling and hurting, like widows or the hungry. But this is not where this story unfolds. Instead, it begins out of a crisis. It's not a superhero rescuing someone from a villain kind of crisis. Instead, he's at a wedding party, and Jesus' mother wants everything to go smoothly. And all of a sudden, the wine runs out. Now, speaking of a crisis at a wedding, when my dad and stepmom got married, uh, Siobhan was helping to get things ready for the reception, and she opened the box for the cake, and it said on top of the cake, Happy Bar Mitzvah Manny. She told someone they got the wrong cake and not to tell the bride. Now, eventually, someone finally told Siobhan the cake was meant to be a joke. Uh, You see, my dad's the guy who paints the bedroom with the half-price paint at the home store. He's just that cheap. And so he thought it'd be funny to tell everyone that they messed up the cake and he got it for a discounted price, even though they didn't. Now, for my dad, to find out that Siobhan fell for this joke was priceless. Nobody was harmed in the cake business, but it felt like a big crisis for Siobhan. Now, let's get back to the Bible story. Mary plays a leading role and wants the celebration to go well. When this wine crisis occurs, she urges her son into action. Now, I would imagine, like I said, he doesn't believe this is his moment. He's supposed to reveal God's kingdom, to turn the world upside down, to fix this broken, messy world. In the scheme of things, wine running out at a wedding party seems pretty insignificant. So Jesus tells his mother, my hour has not yet come. Now this whole scenario is interesting, isn't it? On, on a day when we're ordaining and installing church officers, a group of people who were likely not imagining they'd be urged or called to this position, especially in the midst of a stretched out crisis, a, a pandemic to lead our church, yet they were called by somebody. And, and, and this is how Presbyterians follow God's call. The nominating committee meets and prays for our church leaders, this group of people recognize gifts, and then they ask you to lead our church. So it's, it's more than just a personal call. It's not just an individual call, but it's also a call by our community. And just like Jesus, most are urged by God 
and someone else. As leaders, most of what we're called to do is the nuts and bolts kind of ministry. It's like making sure the wine doesn't run out in the middle of a wedding party. Making decisions for our church isn't always amazing or miraculous. It's just kind of the nuts and bolts kind of stuff. But Jesus listens to the urging of his mother. Many of the church officers, many of you have been officers before, if you're not today being called, and you have been urged, not just by yourself, but also by the call of others. According to one scholar, running out of wine is a real crisis for the servants responsible for monitoring the drinking supplies. I'm sure you could imagine what would happen to them if the head of the household discovers the predicament. In first century culture, the servant or slave doesn't have a permanent place in the household, and these servants could be dismissed or worse for lesser offenses. These servants are desperate to heed Mary's advice, if only to save their own jobs. The chief steward was oftentimes an enslaved individual responsible for managing a feast. So Jesus and his mother served the servants by helping them out of a potentially life-threatening jam. So what Jesus does today actually matters to these folks. Now, Above all the little nuggets in this scripture reading, I want to share the most important one from John 2, 5. I shared it with Ruth and our children. When Mary tells the servants this little phrase, do whatever he tells you. That's the most important. Because isn't that what we're called to do? To do whatever Jesus tells us. In this case, Jesus gives his servants pretty simple, uneventful tasks like filling huge stone jars, the brim with water. Now, you notice that the servants don't stop to ask questions. They just do it. And then Jesus tells them to draw some out and give it to the chief steward. And what they draw out is water. And this sounds, I would imagine, very silly. Imagine that servant was very nervous to give this to the chief steward. The chief steward tastes it and discovers something phenomenal has happened. Certainly the chief steward may, be, may have been aware of the crisis, but he gives the bridegroom credit. He does not know that Jesus was involved. Scholar reminds us that this First of seven signs isn't a warning, but a gift. By providing wine for a wedding, Jesus tacitly endorses things that make human life meaningful and pleasant. Relationships, sexuality, community, hospitality, meals, family, and celebration. By enabling the festivities to continue, Jesus locates himself in places where life flourishes and human relationships thrive. Jesus does more than just turning water into wine. Jesus turns scarcity into plenty for all. Jesus produces the equivalent of 600 to 900 bottles of fine wine. Now, we can linger 
for a while over God's extravagance. There will be no shortages or rationings when the Messianic banquet opens its doors. And the only thing that's required is for us to do whatever he tells you, to be partners, be servants. Now, today's sign isn't really about a wedding or miraculously produced wine. Mary knows the timing is right and urges Jesus into action. And sometimes a crisis or someone else's urging is necessary. As we ordain and install church officers in just a few moments, I encourage each of us to follow Mary's challenge, to be servants and to do whatever Jesus tells you. The truth is, usually it's all that's required. Doing. Not so glamorous, the simple and regular day-to-day parts of ministry, for Jesus wants everyone to hunger for more and not be satisfied with inferior substitutes. And just as Psalm 36, 8 says, they feast on the abundance of your house and you give them drink from the river of your delights. So our call is to partner with Christ as servants who enjoy God's abundance and delight. And I'd rather you remember this psalm than my sermon title. Psalm 36, 8. They feast on the abundance of your house and you give them drink from the river of your delights. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The congregation and visitors can now enter through the east or north doors. Our in-person service starts at 10 a.m. We do, however, ask that you keep your mask on while moving about in the building. In the sanctuary, there are two sections, one for vaccinated and one for unvaccinated individuals. The ushers will guide you to the section of your choice. Those in the vaccinated section can now sing without a mask. Join us at www.facebook.com slash First Pres Jacks slash and join our Monday First Pres Jacks community group, which meets at 7 p.m. every Monday. This is a question, answer, and sharing group with the pastor. This is a private room, and you will be asked a few questions before entering to make sure you are a human and not a robot. Presbyterians with a Purpose is another program available at the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville for individuals needing to contact someone during these challenging times of the pandemic. You can visit that link. Just visit our homepage and find the link for Presbyterians with a Purpose. We also offer a Sunday live service starting at 9.55 a.m. You can visit www.firstpresjacks.org slash donate and make your contribution there. Or send contributions to First Presbyterian Church, 870 West College, Jacksonville, Illinois, 62650. 
You also can contribute to your bank using bill pay. If an account number is needed, please use 870-870-870. Our phone number is 217-245-4189. Our email is office at firstpresjax.org. That's office at F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-J-A-X dot O-R-G.